So what 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 motivated you to do the whole like events stuff? I swear it's like we're reversing roles now. It's awesome. You're interviewing me. <laughs> we're already recording on Zoom too, which is great. This is pre-show stuff, dude, which will probably make it in somewhere. It's awesome. <laughs> but it's uh or we just start into it. How about that? Let's just do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This happens every now and then, so where we just—it's cool when this happens too, because that means that we're going to have an awesome conversation, and that, that's the best part of this, bro. But yeah, to doing events, man. I mean, that's—I've uh, got this obligation, you know, because I was totally broke ten years ago, man. You know, it, living in a condo. My twins were born two weeks after I was laid off, and we got to the point to where we had all three of our kids because we had a, another baby born just two and a half years later all three of our kids in a two bedroom condo. So we had five people in two bedrooms. Uh, and during that time, it was, you know, when my twins were little, it's like, well, I don't have any money coming in. How do I pay my mortgage or how do I buy formula for them to eat? Uh, and it's just going on. And that's when I did consulting on cybersecurity and IT, you know, freelancing with that. And the, the decisions were, were tough, man. So I, I've been through that to building a multi-million dollar cybersecurity company now. And I'm honing in more on my niche within that space because they're my people, you know. Last year was more of like a general entrepreneurial thing, which is great because this show is very broad. Everything I do is kind of broad, but I'm honing in, especially on my group, because most don't go outside our space. Yeah, you know, yeah. they, they just stay in their bubble within the industry. And that was the single biggest, best decision that I've made was to learn from others outside of what mm -hmm. I do and apply what the rest of the world is doing into my industry. So after that, it's like, well, shoot, I want to bring the rest of the world into my industry now. And that's what I'm doing. So we're doing an event next year too. We've got, you know, this year with COVID and everything, we're doing a virtual event in the fall that's just for my space. And then next year, it's going to be a live event just for my space also. And then we'll go back into mainstream at some point in time. But it's, it's just, a, I had this obligation, bro, because I was there. I was that broke. And I see others that are struggling and just like whether it's real estate, whether it's IT, whatever it is, those types of industries where, it's, where it can start as a one man show mm -hmm. you know, or even digital marketing, whatever, where it can start as a one man show. Most of them, it's like the majority of them will only take home like in their pocket on their taxes, $59,000 a year. That's the yeah. average. Yeah. You know, and I look back to me with, twins and then a newborn baby, it's like $59,000 would not have covered what we needed. Mm -hmm. Not by a long shot, you know, unless we're just eating hot dogs every single day. But you know, that's also when I was fat, dude, no wonder, because I wasn't eating the right food either. You know, so it's to live a healthy life. I'm not even talking like in abundance, but just a healthy life to where you're meeting all your basic needs Base, yeah. more than $59,000 a year. You absolutely need that. Now, so I want to help others from that because it's next to no businesses. You know, it's in the 90th percentile next to no businesses that actually even crack the seven figure mark. 100%. Yeah, the small businesses. And that's where people need to go, man, because in order to plan for your future to the point of your hat that you're wearing cash flow, cash flow makes all the difference in the world. Even if you have more expenses, which yeah. of course you do when you're bigger, you have a lot more expenses. There's a lot of variable costs and there's a lot of fixed costs, but what makes that easier? When you have more coming in, you have more maneuvers, more options to be able to take when you have just more cash on the influx.
-hmm. even if you're you're just over leveraging debt or over leveraging expenses the revenue the and the money coming in exactly it makes all the difference man mm -hmm. the more cash flow you have the more options you have the more maneuvers you can take to try to deal with all the other crap 100 i love that dude we did just start into this this is awesome so yeah. <laughs> bro why do you wear the hat why do you wear cash well you know what first tell me your name so that everybody can hear your name i, I know it i mean it's mosey <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my name is Mozi. Uh, I used to be a hacker. So, um, and then it came to a point where I was, I was always a gray hat where I didn't want to do anything illegal, but I also wasn't part of the cops or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And so it came to a point where it's like, Hey, now the only thing I can do is, you know, get into the, either the illegal part of things or join the forces or whatever it is. And at that point I realized that a lot of what I did, I was, I, I was what they, I don't know if you know this term, but it's, I was a script kitty. Okay, so I, <laughs> yeah, I, I was someone that didn't know, I, I didn't program, I know how to program, but I didn't program the, the hacks or the, or the, you know, the, the viruses or anything like that. I was a social engineer. I was the person that would go get people to click on the links and get people to opt in or download an app or whatnot. And a lot of that ended up uh, transitioning me to, into marketing because that's what it is, right? Dude, that's sales funnels. That's conversion buttons. And exactly. Then, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So I found out what marketing was, and then I just spent uh, multiple years uh, learning marketing, and here I am now, sort of uh, helping local businesses, primarily real estate agents and brokers, get more clients while working less uh, by implementing uh, online, all uh, online advertising strategies. That's really cool, man. That's awesome. I love that transition because, it, and I love the social engineering side of it because I've got the. I've got the cybersecurity company, right? But I always say it comes back to humans, no matter what. It's always psychology, yeah. You know, which is why I, I've received training from the CIA and surveillance and elicitation because it's all about the psychology. You can hack things all you want to. You can brute force the hell out. Of I, I was just gonna say that you can brute force all you want, but like, and you could spend hours doing that, and a yeah. human can give you access in a second. You, you got it, man. Yeah, that's where everybody goes, and that's where all the bots come in now. Is now they've just you know programmed scripts or just phrases to say that are, have good success rates for people to click the freaking link or click the freaking button in that email. And then, oh, it looks like a Microsoft site or, oh, it looks like G Suite that you're logging into or your Gmail, whatever. And then you're just typing in your news, username and password, but yet you're on mm -hmm. a rogue site. And exactly. now they have access to everything that you do. Yeah, I think I think uh, we are much more smarter than we were back then in terms of oh, fishing, yeah, yeah. right? So w when I was, you know, hacking people and trying to fish people like almost a decade ago, uh, I was, I realized people were very smart back then as well. They would not click links and they would not, even when they clicked a weird link and they went to a Facebook page, they would not opt in. So what I ended up doing, and this is why I was, people always used to come to me for to hack people and stuff was because what I would do is I'd find out what they were passionate about, yeah. the person that we're targeting, and then I'd make a middle bridge page that had like a competition of that passion or whatever it was. And, and, and you had to vote through it. And then they would click to vote through Facebook. And that would divert them away from the fact that the, that the URL is not the same as Facebook or Google, whatever it is. <laughs> and when I, came into the marketing, when I came into the marketing world, I realized in affiliate marketing, you have this thing known as a bridge page where you would like, you know, offer your own incentives and have your own video to convince them to buy when they go to the sales page. And it was so similar yeah. to what I was doing. So 
Yeah, it's crazy. Psychology stuff. is psychology is psychology. Humans are humans are humans, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And they always think the right way, even though, even when people learn not to click on those links here and there, you know, there's always a way around that. So where there's something that's like, like you said, and it's, even though it is literally called a bridge page, but it's like a bridge in their brain between the unknown and the known. Yeah. And that's when they're like, oh, well, I don't know this over here, but I see this thing in the middle that connects me with something that looks familiar. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm going to click on it. No problem. Or I'm going to buy it. You know, whatever. It's the same thing. It's connecting that. And that's so cool. Dude, you've got me so excited today because it's, it's combining all these worlds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you were doing the, you know, the, the gray area stuff, but you moved into marketing, what the heck did that transition look like? Because how to, how did you make that connection? How did you bridge that? You know, what did you see? <laughs> So for me, it was so that that's 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 a that's a that's a story of itself. It's like I never uh, planned to shift into marketing. Growing up, I actually never had a job, right? I always just buy and sell stuff, and so you know, I thought when I'd grow up, I would just have a business that would buy and sell things, right? And then for some reason, I thought I had to go to college for for business. For some reason, I don't know why. Halfway through well, college, dude, I because everybody up. told you that's what you have to do in life. If yeah, but, but my thing was that I wasn't even trying to get a degree or anything. I just thought that, you know, I'd finish school, go to university yeah. and then start a business. It's just so weird. This, I didn't know bro, I didn't need Yeah, <laughs> you were yeah. conditioned. It's okay. Yeah. I was too. I went for two weeks to college. I'm like, screw I, this. I, I call it indoctrinated. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, and then so so halfway through school, I realized like, what am I doing here? I was like, what, why, why am I doing any of this? This. I actually yeah. was in a computer science degree and I was making money doing what they were teaching me while they were teaching me. Right. So, uh, in that time I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, like screw school. What, what do I like? What do I do like for business now? Like, like while I'm still in school, I'm like, screw this. I'm going to quit this stuff. What do I do? And in that time I was, I was on uh, YouTube and this guy popped up talking about dropshipping. Right yeah. now I like, again, a lot of people that enter dropshipping, they enter it because of, you know, it's mostly get rich, get rich quick or whatnot. For me, it was, it connected, like something connected in my head. They're like, Hey, you know, you get, you, you get the product from here. Right. And you sell it to, you know, people here and you just act as a middleman. I'm like, this is what I've been doing my whole life, buying and selling stuff, but this is online. And I knew where my audience was. I'm like, I can sell to anyone on Reddit. Like I know they're so passionate on different subreddits. Yeah, they so, are. So I started I started a store and within two days, you know, we hit, you know, we made $500. Right. And apparently this was a big thing compared to like everyone else that starts out. They don't make anything. But as right after that two days, the money stopped face like Reddit, like banned our account. Okay. And, wow. and I'm like, okay, so how is everyone else making money? <laughs> and then I'm like, I realized they're doing Facebook marketing and that's, that's where my transition went into advertising and Google ads. And I, I started realizing, oh, oh, I used to do this, you know, and yeah, I started yeah. connecting uh, every, all the dots and everything. Yeah. That's so cool, man. That's awesome. How did you get started into hacking too? Cause I mean, we went through the transition, but it's not, I know how I did, you know, I just happen to be good at it. And like you said, you know, I was doing coding even, you know, cause I'm 40 right now, but dude, when I, so you're talking 25 years ago, I was like a sophomore in high school in the class with all the seniors in high school. You know, I was young too. So I was like a 15 year old dude seeing all these 18 year old girls around me, you know, and the, which was awesome. There was way more women in that coding class, dude, that <laughs> I, I think are in this industry now, you know, it, it was yeah. pretty fantastic, but you know, I'd always finish everything quick, but then I started finding holes in the network in the high school. 
you know, and I was able to access all the kids' grades, you know, and it, it wasn't just, I wasn't intentionally, I was just poking around, you know, which is hacking. You're finding yeah. the vulnerabilities. Exploits, yeah. Exactly, you're exploiting them. You know, so, but then I was the, I was the white hat kind of hacking guy. I went up to the teacher and said, and I want to hear your story, how you got into this too. I, I went to the teacher, I'm like, listen, man, I found, you know, 17 holes in the network. I can show you because I can see all the teacher's personal data. I can see all the grades of the students right here. I got freaking booted out of the class, you know, because it's, it scared them, you know? And then they're like, listen, if you want a good grade in this class, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to code everything but you're gonna to have to handwrite it on paper. And then you're just gonna to have to pray that it works when we put it in the system. I still passed because at that point it was just like a natural talent and I realized, well, shoot, you know, if that was the case, but that was like my first social engineering experiment was almost like a brute force with the, the human beings, with the teacher, which mm -hmm. freaked them out. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that when you're hacking or when, even when you're marketing, you can't freak them out right away. It has to be something familiar that's, that's not confrontational or that stirs up emotion in them in order to get them to move on to whatever the next step in that funnel is, whatever the next step in that, in that phishing attempt is, whatever it is, you know, so hackers are yeah. smart and they learn from the things just like you did. But that's how I got started in, in my tech world, man, was hacking the freaking high school systems, you know, unintentionally that became intentional to see how far I could go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to dive into how I started, but before I do that, I want to touch on what you said about yeah. how you brought up the vulnerabilities to the to the teachers and they, they didn't like it they were shocked uh i i think only once in my life have i tried to bring up the vulnerabilities it was probably early when i started this stuff and i had a very similar reaction but it was yeah. they were it wasn't authority in school or anything it was i don't know whose system i was hacking or some network i was hacking like i was i think my neighbor's wife i can't remember exactly but it was like I, I was, I was generally, you know, like, cause, cause you're happy about your skill, right? You're smart and you just want to like, you're like, holy shit, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I go to this person and I try to help them out and, and luckily not much happens there, but they, they give me this, uh, hostility. Like you've been trying to hack me, like, you know, like, yeah. uh, and, and so I stopped ever since. And I, I realized that had I tried to, you know, show the vulnerabilities to other people, I would have actually been arrested because I grew up in Dubai. Right. Oh, wow, where, man. where a lot of the stuff, like, you know, no matter how innocent you are because of, because you didn't have permission to do whatever it was, you yep. know, initially, like I would have easily been arrested. So I'm happy I didn't do it, but, <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> but yeah, no, I got started, um, uh, when I was probably like seven. Okay. Like I didn't start hacking at seven, but that was like the first time get not seven. I think it was like nine. Okay. I was like nine yeah. and I don't know, like, so, so back when you were growing up, you probably didn't have, you, you weren't using Windows initially, right? No, no, this, this was actually on Macs, oddly enough. Okay, cool. Because it, yeah. well, they had a Unix back end. Yeah, you know, Unix. You yeah. could get into the terminal, into the shell, and do whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, and now, like, pe like people don't even know how to, like, what, what the terminal is. Like, that, it used to be so big yeah. uh, back in the day. But, uh, so, I started out in the terminal, but of Windows. I started out in this command prompt, right? Yep. And... I was in school and someone told me like, like, like the way you hack is like, like you can get into people's computer or the cameras or whatever by typing in, uh, IP something dash some, I don't know what. Right. And as soon as I did that, 
And obviously it was a, is a bogus, like it was somewhat of a bogus command. Like the only way that can work is through giving like a, a lot of permissions and on a local network. It can never work, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, remotely or anything like that. Uh, um, and so I just put an IP address in and it, it said access denied. And that was the first time. I don't know what it was. Okay. I don't know what it was ever since then. I've been trying to get access to anything. Yeah, yeah. And ever since that, like that, that, that thing that said access denied, and that, I, I find this in my life as well. When I, whenever I'm um, in a hurdle where I can't figure things out, I often end up subconsciously saying, "I need access." <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I say, "I need access." I don't know what it is. Yeah. So that's where the journey began, and then I started learning more about, you know, it was more about, uh, you know, Linux. I didn't even know Linux like existed, right? Yeah. I'm like, we. That's this is the only thing we have, and Linux obviously brings you much closer. Uh, to to you know the lower level right and, yeah. and much more freedom compared to any of these uh, like, like compared to Windows or whatnot but, and yeah. that got me into understanding how Python worked how the terminal worked and how you can manipulate a lot of things that you don't have access to in the Windows part of things and then I ended up I don't know if, you know what backtrack is no that I don't backtrack is a is is a is a version of Unix like Ubuntu right. Yeah. Um, that was made distribution, yeah, yeah, distribution. But it was made specifically for hackers, so it has all the scripts for all these different things, right? And yep. so I ended up getting introduced to that, and I started using it, and so I could use different scripts to do different things. And then again, like I said, I was a script kid, so I never programmed any of these scripts to hack people or anything like that. It was all programmed in that operating system. Now it's Kali Linux, like Net Kali yeah, Linux Kali is, is now. Backtrack used to be Kali, like, I mean, that was the initial. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's where it evolved from. Yeah, Kali I've used before when I've been doing some stuff with the NSA. That's what we use, this Kali yeah. Linux hack. And I even did a video to where I hacked into a Windows PC. It, it was something like 82 seconds or something like that on a brute force using Kali Linux, and I got the administrator password. It was just to prove a point. Yeah. You know, but, but that's how you gain access to webcams. That's how you gain access to everyone because it, exactly. it's all pre-approved scripts, yeah, or pre-written scripts that are in it. People have done the work ahead of time, and Kali Linux is the most supported and most kept up to date because it has such a large hacker community that supports it, and they just keep adding scripts to it all the time. You know, so yeah. as different different holes get plugged in operating systems, whatever, there's a you know this community of a million hackers that are out there that are figuring out how to overcome that. Yeah, you know, it almost reminds me of the days because I, I was a police cadet at one time too, right? And I was uh, th this was when I was in my teens. And I remember the day I found out because, dude, I don't know why it was, but it was like this technology thing. You know, I've always loved tech. I wanted to sit in the car and I wanted to use the radar gun. I wanted to, when I was with the officer, I wanted to just catch people speeding. But it was more so I wanted to see how the gun worked, you know. And then I found out into the, some of the technology. And it's this whole, like, inch up there, inch up there. Because the same people that manufacture the radar guns to trap you in speed traps are the same people that make the radar detectors yeah. that go in cars to, to, to make sure that, to, so you can protect yourself from the speed traps. You yeah. know, but then over here, they make a better gun, then they make a better detector, then they make a better gun. It's the same thing in cyber, it's the same thing in hacking. As soon as Microsoft or any Linux distribution plugs a hole over here, it's really like the same people that were here now are also part of the hacking community. Yeah. Okay, now we're gonna take a script to overcome it. You know, and it's just this edge up. It's like this constant war that's going to go on forever. You know, so that this industry, but that's marketing too, bro, right? Because yeah. people are always going to have behaviors in what you're doing now. It's tremendous because if you if people figure out 
oh, this person's trying to sell me. You know, I've seen this before. I've seen this yeah. bridge page to where they yeah. want me now to log in, but it's really not a bridge page. It's taking yeah. me to something else where they can sell me on something. You know, people are going to get wise to that too. But then you're going to come up with a better way or somebody else is going to come up with a better way to convert people. You know, but it's it's fun. This is the best part of it because it's all the psychology. It's not the tech that's the most intriguing part to me anyways. And it sounds yeah. like the same for you. It's the I, I know I, I know people that, that are like, like like programming nerds and they really like the programming part of things yeah, for me yeah. mainly psychology like yep. it's it's getting in the human mind yeah dude brain brain waves the, the way people think just really intrigue me you know? i actually started studying psychology at a very young age as well for 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 the, nice. i don't know why i was just interested in it and it was primarily for myself so that i don't listen to my own stupid thoughts you know how like yeah man yeah you have a child brain that you know and i don't know how, why i want to do that at a, at a very young age at like 12 but that you know initially transitioned everything into where it is now. That's really cool, man. That's a that's an awesome backstory, bro. So now you do marketing day in and day out now, right? Yeah. And, now I focus on marketing. Real estate agents, correct? Yeah. Cool. So with that, I mean, you don't have to give away your secrets or whatever thing, but we can shift to the market here because the market, obviously, with COVID that's taken place, there's been a lot of peaks and valleys over the past several months. You know, where do you see the market going? And more importantly, especially for agents, because I would love them to contact you and we'll, we'll get your social information and everything else, man, you know, to help them market in these times. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in trying to overcome the psychology? Because I know people are scared, of, you know, owners are scared of their home values dropping too much right now. I, I know agents are scared of those dropping because of, then their commissions go lower too. And plus, you know, just flooding the market with inventory for people who are trying to sell right now. There's all these different concerns that exist and how, where do you see this going and how can people overcome that from a psychology perspective right now to continue to crush it? So in terms of, um, in terms of the market itself is, um, a lot of homeowners are scared right now, right? To sell their house because, yeah. um, initially like it was COVID that they, they didn't want to show their house. Right. Yep, what yep. happened is, inventory actually fell. So we have agents to sign up to our programs and stuff, getting buyers, but there's no house to sell, like sell really? to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's no house in the market. And the thing is, the other problem is the agents that are trying to get listings, trying to get houses to sell, like yeah. the sellers, they're not doing the best job at objection handling, right? Uh, to actually get them to sign up with them because the, the, the homeowners often go like, hey, you know, COVID's going on. I don't want to sell right now. The market's uncertain, you know, whatever it is. And the, the, the agents don't handle the objection and, you know, they hop off the phone or however they're trying to, you know, approach them, right? When in, when in reality, like your house, if your house is on the market right now, it's going to sell for top dollar because it's one of the only few houses on the market while there's so much <laughs> demand. And the truth is, even if there was not as much demand right now, which there is, uh, um, as soon as the markets open up, as soon as like, like the pandemic ends and everything opens up, you will be one of the few houses on the market. Get what I mean? Ready yeah. there for the huge amount of demand that's about to come. And so it's going to, you know, you're going to have multiple offers and you know, you're going to, your house is going to sell at top dollar. That's awesome, man. So what, what, what's the marketing you're seeing right now? What's the psychology behind this? So people say, cause you're helping the agents, right? Yeah. Are you helping what stage of the process or is it all stages? Are you helping them? get people to sign on the dotted line with them to represent them or are you getting trying to help them actually sell the homes so we we, we help them um 
what do you call the the, the front end sign on the dotted line to 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 help them represent them yeah that's cool and that's all done obviously with digital marketing right now but there's still there's still a conversation that has to happen right because the digital marketing that you do is really to just get the lead correct yeah. you're not converting them online you're at, the conversion for a real estate agent is or a broker is to get that conversation going 100% you know, so what are some of the objections that that you're seeing right now you said you know covid is out there i really don't want to right now and you're saying that most brokers at the moment are not handling those very well what are some things that you can encourage them to say right now to get them to sign because you're going to do your job man you're going to get the leads flowing in you know mm -hmm. that's your expertise but then it's crazy because I, it's <laughs> i never envy digital marketers because it, especially if it's like a lead or an opt-in campaign there still has to be the close of the deal at, at the end of it you know and then everyone thinks well, shoot, I, you know, my, my industry is a little opposite, which is crazy because most of my industry thinks that they have like a 100% close ratio, which is mm -hmm. stupid, man. That means that if you have a 100% close ratio, you don't have enough leads coming in for you to fail. You yeah. know, the, how full is your pipeline right now of leads coming in to qualify these individuals? You know, yeah. you don't have enough leads, but let's say you stack them up with leads, you know, the, the brokers. You stack them up with leads, but now if they don't close, they're going to start blaming the digital marketer. You know, I don't, I don't envy you saying the quality of the leads coming in suck, you know, but really it's that to what you're saying, they don't know how to overcome these objections in the marketplace right now. Do you do anything or what can you tell them to say, hey, here's how you do it because I want to help you with your campaign. I want your campaign to be successful. I want you to see me as a rock star. So I'm going to tell you what to say to them. That's actually an amazing question. Like, I, I love the fact that you have such depth of knowledge in the marketing world. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, the, the, the sales part of it as well, knowing that, hey, if you have a 100% close rate, like you're probably only dealing with referrals or something. Exactly. Probably, yeah. It's like, when's your last cold lead come in? Tell me. Was it six exactly. months ago, 10 months ago? <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, yeah. 100% close ratio means referrals every time. You exactly. nailed that one. Yeah. So uh, our program, our main program that we're promoting right now has a 95% success rate, primarily because we've been able to help them out with what happens after the lead comes in. But the thing is, the best part is the, the problems that I just told you about, like the, the objections, they often don't come in uh, when you're getting a lead from Facebook because the lead is opting in like to, to initially, like, I mean, like they're opting in right now because they're looking for something right now. Yeah. Often... Um, the, 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 the objections come in if, if, if the agents are cold calling, uh, uh, you know, a homeowner who's, who's trying to sell their own house or they're looking to sell their house later on, whatever it is, uh, when they're cold calling or door knocking, right? But when we were running ads, people opting into us, there's, there, there's not as many COVID objections, right? Um, you handle but, that copy? Go again? You handle that in the copy, those objections in the copy? Not, not even like we, we don't do anything. We, we actually haven't changed, uh, the, the copy with COVID. I've seen other people do it. I haven't done it just because uh, like our ads, right? Our ads that were running, right? Yeah. COVID. As soon, like they were running at, like we're getting leads at a certain rate. So our ads typically get leads between 50 cents to $5 a pop. Okay. As soon as COVID hit, our lead cost drops so less because people are home more now. They, they're on Facebook more now. So our ads, continued performance. We didn't edit any of our, of our ads to, to talk about COVID or anything. So awesome. 
Yeah. So now, as a broker, really, if you're anybody right now, because I've heard this in many different industries now since COVID hit, is that so many people pulled back on their marketing budgets. Yeah. The, the cost per click has just plummeted in the toilet and it's pennies on the dollar now. Exactly. If you're not playing in online ads right now. You're, you're not going to be ready for them when this pandemic ends. You're exactly. not gonna, now's the time to accelerate, bro. I love that. Uh, we, flow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had an agent in the Michigan market. This, this is like, it, it was mind blowing. Their result, like, so like I said, we often see uh, leads between 50 cents to $5 a pop in most markets, right? Now, often, like the worst case scenario that we've seen, like if you were an, you, if you're an, if you're an under average performer, you're gonna get one deal per 100 leads. We often average our agents average around four to five clients per 100 leads that come in, right? Wow. This agent got 100 leads for 45 bucks <laughs> and got seven clients out of it. That's insane. And each of those clients is gonna be worth six thousand dollars in commission. Dude, that's amazing. That is amazing. So they spent a hundred bucks. 45 bucks for a hundred leads. 45 bucks. <laughs> Dude, I'm dying here. Seven clients times $6,000 is $42,000 yep. for 45 bucks. Yep. That's a 10,000 X ROI, man. <laughs> I know. Amazing. I keep telling, I keep telling people, you have no idea how much money you can make right now. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so you think right now too. What the heck am I doing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> ads. You know, but it's like I need to like triple down on this stuff right now. Hundred percent. It's 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 the best part is what happened was these bigger companies that were spending a lot of money on Facebook and even the smaller. The thing is, the smaller ones don't make much of a difference, right? Yeah. In terms of uh, bid 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 wars and bid pricing, but the, the bigger companies now have to cut back on these big budgets, right? One of the first things they cut is marketing. We lost so many clients that just cut their marketing. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but at the same time, uh, because yeah. of that, the, the lead costs drop. And, yeah. and it, it, it's just amazing what's going on in the market. I actually just got a um, message from an agent uh, right before I hopped on the phone with you, uh, on, on Zoom call with you. She just put an offer in. Like, like she was having the issue of no inventory. So she had the buyers, but no one yeah. was selling their house. So she finally found the right house and they put an offer in and got accepted. And, and she spent... She has six. She had six clients on her, on contract, right? That, that are working with her. She spent four hundred bucks in ads to get them. Wow. And still the same amount of commissions, of course, at least. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. You said something key on this, man, and this is kind of like the straight truth. Uh, is now is not the time, you know, with the pandemic and everything else going on. Now is not the time to pull back. It never has been. You've got to be smart in your decisions because, you know, before, if you're looking at things, maybe it's a good time to evaluate the unnecessaries. You know, I was talking to somebody, he was a digital marketer actually, and he looked across, you know, they, they do multiple millions of dollars a year, but he had something like 267 different tools that they were using, mm -hmm. you know, so evaluating that and saying, you know what, this one we were still paying for, but we haven't touched it in six months. That's different. By all means, cancel that crap. Right? We had the same thing. We had to cancel some subscriptions that we never were touching. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you, it's a good time to review what you're spending, where you're spending it, but not to the point to where you're pulling back on stuff and, and just castrating yourself, chopping yourself off at the knees right now, because that's what everybody's doing. Now's the time to put the pedal to the metal, put your foot on the gas and move forward, you know, and double down on this stuff. You know, one person caught when I was talking with them because I'm taking my cybersecurity company public this year which is awesome. awesome. And I, I accelerated that process 
when COVID hit. It's like, shoot, the crash already happened. The yeah. market crash already took place. Yeah. Thank God I was in public already. That's great. But now that it happened, I'm going to jumpstart this thing and move it forward even faster because I'm going to ride the wave back up when this thing continues to go up. And also, I'm doubling down on all my sales and marketing. I'm spending four times as much as I was on marketing rather than <laughs> chopping it because now is the time to accelerate and capture those leads because other businesses are going to fail. Other businesses, you know, it's that power of fear, bro. Other businesses are going to pull back because they're trying to conserve their cash, which necessarily isn't a bad concept. As long as you're dumping that cash into business growth. hundred percent. I personally think, I personally think that, listen, like if you um, really can't spend money, right? If, because uh, the truth is the bigger companies, it somewhat makes sense because they have debt as well. Exactly. Right. It's so, different. Small business versus corporate, different picture. Yep. 100%. But I believe that even if you don't have money, like, like because like, you know, the stimulus checks are not enough and you lost your job, whatever it is, you, like you have to 10 X yourself. Like, like, like yeah. I, b before COVID happened, um, like last year I used to do a lot of like lives where I used to teach people how to market and that would get me very warm leads to sell to. Yeah, I yeah. stopped doing that because it was very tiring and I, w I was like, screw this. We're just going to run our own ads and that's, that's way better. But as soon as COVID happened, like we actually lost a lot of money in advertising because we, we thought, you know, sure COVID's happening, but if someone's hopping on the phone with us, they're going to sign up. Turns out a lot of people hopping on the phone with us because now they have more time to figure out what they want to do after yeah. COVID passes out. Why so not? we lost money uh, advertising. And so I had to cut back on my spend. But as soon as like, I started noting, noticing that shift, I went, I started going live after live, li after live. Facebook yeah. ended up blocking me. Facebook ended up blocking me for going live. That's how much <laughs> How is that a spammy activity? Because it's actually you. It's a human being. It's not a freaking bot. What's even surprising though, is that I wasn't going live on a public page the way, and I'm going to give your uh, viewers a uh, tip on this as well, but yeah. I was going live on, on, uh, on my personal profile. Wow. You know what I mean, and the block, yeah. And they blocked me on that. So the reason I was going live on my personal profile and, and people that are, that are small business specifically, and if you're agents or anything like that, that want to really sell to your audience, yeah. hear me out here on your Facebook, right? Uh, you have a maximum friend, limit of 5,000. Yep. Most people have maximum like 2000 friends. And even those are not real friends. Like, you know, they're weird. If you have, if, if your limit is maxed to 5,000, I would suggest like cleaning up your, your friend list. Cause obviously they're not, they're not real friends. Like it's, yeah. it's unlikely that most of them are real friends. They could be connections. Like maybe you're trying to build something like LinkedIn, but for the most part, uh, they're not actual friends. And what you want to do is I had, when I started doing the strategy, I had, 600 friends on my Facebook. Yeah. Now I have 3,700 and other than the 650, 600 that I had, everyone else is an agent. Nice. Every other person, everyone else is an agent. And what this does is, so you guys want to add your prospective clients by going to, by joining Facebook groups, right? Going to the members area, like Facebook groups in your niche, going to the members area and adding those people. Well, yeah. this does, I don't know if you know this, but on your Facebook, I, I, I looked at your Facebook page. You had like 12,000 likes, right? Yep. Uh, on my Facebook page, I have 5,000. The truth is anything that you post there shows up in front of only 1% of your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Facebook wants you to pay to get in front of your own audience that you tried, that you built. So what I did was I started building the audience in the, on the, or like on my personal side of things. And that had a much bigger reach. I could reach a lot more people that way.
That's a great point, man. Cause I put so, you know, I put so much effort into the personal brand, you know, you looked on my page, you know, um, I think it's 15,000. I don't remember for sure, but you know, on the personal side of things, I have like maybe 1200 friends, you know, you had 600, the 1200 people and you're right. It's probably 600 of those that I'm really not connected with, mm -hmm. you know? So there's like 600 real people that are there regardless, but you're saying that go after your prospects, your target, your markets and personally friend those yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. Am I hearing you right? Yeah. That's cool. And then, you know, then you can go out because it if it's 1% of your per, of your public page, you know, your fan page, as Facebook calls it, what's the percentage in the algorithm that you think that Facebook shows to your actual friends' friends on your personal profile? It's I've noticed higher, that. Right? What's up? It's got to be way higher, right? I've noticed that there's actually, there's actually no limit. Like as long as your like post is engaging. So if I were to post a meme, that starts blowing up. Right. So yeah. I get in front of like probably up to 50, maybe more. Okay. But if I post a normal post, maybe I'm going live teaching about whatever it's going to reach less people because there's less engagement compared to a funny meme. Right. Yeah. But, but I think that the, the, the limit is almost limitless. Like, like in terms of, in terms of reach, uh, to cool. your friends, then the, and oh, oh by, by the way, yeah. One, one more thing that plays part in this is how much you and the other party is engaging. So what I often do is I go on like my Facebook feed, I, I use an extension that shuts us off, but uh, so, so I don't get distracted with the feed, but I often go, uh, and I, I don't know if you know this and you're, I don't know if your audience knows this, but on Facebook, when I add these agents, I have a custom list that I add them under. So I can separate, I can send, if I have a personal post, then I can exclude them so they don't see it. And my normal personal friends see them, right? If it's a business post, I exclude my personal friends and my business, nice. uh, yeah. you know, people see it. So it's on a different list. So often I go to that list and I start liking people's posts and stuff so that when I post something, it shows up often. If you're not reacting with them, your, your posts don't show up in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. It always comes back to the human side of it. And I know the algorithms just are built for that. They want to see how much you're engaging personally, mm -hmm. you know, how much time you have the app open on your freaking phone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's, I know Instagram does that. It tells me, it's like you averaged, you know, an hour and a half a day this past week, you know, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the magic number is supposed to be, but I'm sure they're showing my posts to a lot more people than somebody who might spend two minutes a day on Instagram because I'm engaging more with people. I'm actively using the platform. Mm -hmm. versus, and that's what you're saying about Facebook too, is because yeah, yeah. it's an inter interactivity. It's not like it used to be, man. You know, I remember the days of Facebook to where you could, all the posts were sorted chronologically. There, there was no algorithm. There yeah, was just exactly. like procedural, procedural program. It was very linear. Yeah, man. It was like hacking. You know, that's really yeah. what it was. But now it's getting, I mean, the algorithm is more into psychology now. If you think about yeah. it, this conversation has just gone full circle, dude. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everybody, you know, Twitter's a little different. So is LinkedIn, but especially Facebook and Instagram, which is really the same company. Their AI, their algorithm is totally built around how humans interact. The, the it's almost like an, uh, it's, it, it's what people call an echo chamber. Yeah. You know, if you like conservative stuff, you're going to see conservative stuff. You like yeah. liberal stuff, you're going to see liberal. Stuff. It's just an echo chamber of what you like, which I guess it's a good thing because you just like what you like, but it also yeah. blocks out a lot of other stuff. That's so cool, man. That's awesome. Dude, we, we've been going through so much today, dude. This is a fantastic <laughs> conversation. There's one thing I need to ask you about, like for real. Okay. Yeah. You've been endorsed by Justin Trudeau, right? Yeah. How did that happen? And what does that even mean? Yeah. So it's just, I have, I have a letter from Justin Trudeau saying how awesome I am and how I'm the future of Canada or, 
whatever it is, right? I'm one of the, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an entrepreneur that's, the, you know, and we are the future of Canada, whatever it is. I don't pay too much, like, like I don't consider it too much, but apparently a lot of people like the fact that I've been endorsed by the Canadian Prime Minister and I get, my parents tell me to tell more people about it. But um, the way it happened was I, I did some projects. I can't talk too much about it, but I did something with people that, that were in his office or whatnot, right? Cool. And what I was trying to ask them was, hey, like, so after it was done, after the project was done, I was like, hey, uh, I, I, like, I'm, I'm trying to start a YouTube channel, which by the way, still haven't started properly. Uh, <laughs> I was like, hey, I was... Beast, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? YouTube's a different beast. I mean, my 13-year-olds love it, you know, and they see all these gamers playing Minecraft and everything else. And it's like, you know, I, I know there's ways to utilize it, but this is more my format, interaction. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was just like, the re like I've, I've started like four different YouTube channels over like the span of so many years, yeah. and I've just never been consistent. And that's what that's what matters, right? Consistency. Yeah, yep. So uh, I was like, I wanna, I'm, I'm trying to start a YouTube channel, and I'd love it if I could get Justin Trudeau as the first guest uh, for an interview. Right. And they're like, listen, that is going to take a lot of time and effort. You're going to have to ha get security checks and, you know, just ensure it's busy right now, yeah. all of this stuff, what we can do. And here's the funny part. <laughs> they're like, what we can do instead is get you an endorsement letter for what you've done and stuff. And I was like, I don't want an endorsement letter. Why would I want to? <laughs> I was like, why would I want an endorsement letter? And then, uh, they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We can get you an endorsement letter and then you can, you can ask him some questions that he can answer in that letter. So that's that, that wow. so weird. He answers some of my questions and then at the end he's endorsing me as well. It's a very like different <laughs> than you would expect it to be. But it's like one of the, uh, one of the 150 only letters given out throughout all the prime ministers. Oh, well, that's um, cool. Yeah. Like endorsing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you're giving That's me ideas I, now. You know, it doesn't matter who it is, but shoot, I'm gonna write in the President Trump this week, I think. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I need a letter from you, please. You know, yeah, so was, I'm gonna start with you. It's like I would love to have you as a guest on All In because I think you're pretty All In too. You know, <laughs> you're all into Twitter. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Dude, I, I love it. There, there's a. I always ask my guests this, and we didn't get a chance to prep this pre-show, but you know. We need to always leave our audiences with one thing, you know, and even like your prospects, I would encourage you to do the same thing because this is a fantastic conversation, man. But, you know, sometimes when you listen to other shows and stuff, sometimes they're just not good, you know, yeah. but there's always one thing that you can pull out that could do something pretty cool in your life. You know, so I always ask my guests, you know, because I do on my solo episodes, but I ask my guests, can you leave one thing? with everyone who's listening today. We've talked about a lot, or even just something else that's on your mind, that just so they can walk away from and actually make a cool impact in their lives today. What's that the one, one thing? thing I want, like the one message I'd give your audience is, I, I'll give you two things, okay? But the one primary, the pri primary thing is uh, commitment. Like, you know, you, you, you know, your show is all in, right? But you have like, you know, I, I remember when I was trying to answer those questions, one of the things was like, have you ever gone all in? And you have no idea how, how much that term, right? Yeah. Means to me because I, like you can ask my friends as far back as, you know, like, like, like middle school, I like, okay, it was high school, but like whenever I used to play basketball, I always used to go like, yo, listen guys, like we gotta go all in. Like, yeah. I don't care if I die of thirst, I gotta go all in like, like, right. 
and so that like commitment which is basically like commitment right which is like you know commit fully and you have no idea how many times i've been in bad situations but it was it was commitment and staying staying the the right or whatever it is yeah. that that re- really freaking like got me to the to the finish line when i thought it was not possible but i was like listen i got nothing to lose and even if i had something to lose like giving up is there's no point like like i would rather like you know i would, I would rather you know commit and fail than give up and live miserable yeah right, right? on man and and so you know there there in time i haven't been pay, able to pay rent you know i i you know i've lived on uh, ramen noodles right so yeah. many different times and places where where you know like the, the all in thing works because i i did end up coming out the other side right you know? and you come out stronger as well when you yeah. commit you come out stronger and so um that that's so like you know initially i thought i was coming on a cybersecurity podcast for the cybersecurity nerds right yeah. and they i guess they wanted to just listen to my uh marketing side as well whatever but no like as when i started researching you more and all of these different things like especially the conference the, the people that are speaking there the entrepreneurship side of it is crazy you know yeah. so it's like yeah. like and that's why i think we had a great conversation here because it's not just the whole hacking side of things and cybersecurity and even i think you understand marketing more than you know it like you understand that business part of things way more than you, you give yourself credit for so <laughs> that and then the like you know the entrepreneurship and like the the you know the the the, the you know, at first when i heard all in i was like okay all in you know and then i find out like you know all in is like going all in and committing and so, so like, I, that's the one thing I would literally, I tell everyone, commit, you know, it doesn't matter how bad things going, are going, yeah. if you just commit, right, not only are you going to be happy on their side, but, but, but the thing is, if you were to quit, like, what was the point of doing it in, in anyways, you know, like, unless you were not passionate about something or whatever it is, then you can, you know, figure yourself out, but committing has changed my life. Like, that's the one thing. A good point. You said one thing there that I really grabbed onto. You know, in, in, in the one thing is that you talked about what, what's the purpose, you know, if you're going to start, what, if you're just going to quit anyways, you know, you're talking about commitment, but it raised a thought in my head that quitting is way different than failing. It's exactly. a different thing. You, you can be committed to something and you will fail time and time and time again. It's so different than quitting because failure is just another lesson to be learned and you're still going in the process. You're still committed to that. Outcome. Exactly. Yeah, but quitting is just saying, screw this. It's not going to work. I'm lazy. I'm just going to walk away. Quitting is not failing. Exactly. 100%. And so, like, it's very similar to, like, being in a ring with a boxer, right? The guy is hitting you in the face, and you might be down or whatever, right? Uh, And if you have the energy, obviously, you want to get back up. But quitting is like, like, ah, you hit me so much. Uh, You know what? I'm just going to walk out. Like, it's just, it's like. You know, like what was the point of beginning, right? You're still going to get the crap beat out of you if you com- if you continue, and you're exactly. still going to lose. But whatever, now you're going to be able to go back and watch the tape, <laughs> watch exactly. the video, and say, okay, where did I mess up? Because I'm not going to do it again. Exactly, and, and I see a lot of my friends like often because they've had failures in the past, not make a move at all because they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I I could. It's like failing is not bad. Yeah. Failing is like the thing is, it's it's a school system that made you think failing is bad. That's it. Because the truth is, failing is uh, feedback, right? Failing is like, hey, you tried this method, it didn't work. That that's like the feedback or like the the, the experimentation. Experimentation. Yeah. You take the data and then you you make a new stimulus and you come back into the system with a different approach, right? Yeah, yeah. So committing is, is, is a big thing. 
dude, there's a lot of people on social that would like mistake what we what we're saying right now too. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking if if somebody's not an entrepreneur, now I have plenty of people that work for me that are not entrepreneurs. They they are loyal. They're dedicated. They're they're all inners. They they kick some real ass and. They're W2 people, which is awesome because without my team, I couldn't do what I do. Without you talking to Ashley, this connection wouldn't have ever been made today. You know, my, my team is freaking amazing. But if someone goes out and they're saying, you know, I'm committing to finding the right thing for me. And this is huge because I know a lot of my following is in their 20s or they're just starting college, you know, get, getting into that age. You know, and quitting a job is not what we're talking about here, you know, because if you're going out and trying something and you're finding out, you know what? This didn't work out for me. It's a failure. Even though you might quit your job into something for a better opportunity, it's not quitting because you're still progressing forward in life. Quitting is pretty much saying, and this is where I can get myself in trouble, man, because I, I, I worked for a social service agency. I was, doing, uh, I was building online apps to, to get more government grants for the social service agency. We worked. You know, we, we got $14 million at the end of this project to capture more data on homelessness. I learned that for the most part, that homelessness is a choice. It is. Those are people that quit. Those are people that did not commit to continuing to advance their life. And they allowed the circumstances around them to overcome them and say, you know, like you said, you can control what you think. You know, and I know there's people that have chemical imbalances. That's not what I'm saying. So for all the people that's listening, I'm not and saying that I'm actually gonna stop you there because I know why you're rambling on, is because like I've been in a similar situation, okay, where people misunderstand about oh, yeah. like and i'm sure that you in the past have got a lot of pushback on this and so i'm going to continue on and explain what you're trying to say from a different perspective the perspective Please, is we and I, I, like i personally do not do not sympathize with people that are homeless however i do empathize so a yeah. lot of times i'm going to give them money and so many things because in the moment, it'd be awesome if they could get something, right? Like food or whatever it is. However, their failure is on them. Yeah. And I, and, and I, and I, you know, some people really hate this about me, but uh, I blame myself for everything. Like I, I tell my parents, like I, when I used to tell my parents about this blame stuff and my friends back when I was young, I was like, listen, I blame myself for everything. And they used to go like, oh, so you're going to walk outside and the bus hits you, you blame yourself? I'm like, yes, <laughs> I was yeah. there for a reason. I could have been there like two minutes later. It, it, it could be. Yeah other person's fault right but but there is blame there and yeah. the idea is that a lot of the world we don't notice it as much especially in the entrepreneurial world because we keep ourselves accountable but a lot of the world does like does not blame themselves at all especially like i learned this when i was 14 okay uh learning to blame myself and taking responsibility but right prior to that i i, I was blaming everything and anything under the sun for mistakes that i did right and the idea is to blame yourself for everything and then maybe leave it to chance that something else, you know, like it, it might be a small chance that, you know, something else could have affected it, but yeah. you are at fault for the most part for everything. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. So like what you're trying to get at is while they may be homeless, they, at, at the end of the day, it was their fault. And some people might, might not like hearing that, right. That, Hey, how could you call homeless people? Like, you know, but the truth is it was their fault. They made the wrong choices or whatever it was that led them there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it is their choice that they're staying there. Like, and it could like, and, and this is what I worry about as well. I tell my friends often that uh, no matter where you throw me, you throw me on the streets of Africa, I'm going to make it back. But there's one thing that can prevent me from making it back, okay, which is your surroundings. So if you're homeless, right, and you happen to live on the streets and you're around other homeless people that yeah. have a very bad mindset, yeah. they can completely shift your, you might have plans of coming back up, all of that, 
if you're in that wrong circle, then, then, then you're not going to make it back, you know? Uh, right, man. I'm sure there's people that are listening to this now that at some point will be homeless, you know, <laughs> whatever small percentage it is, you know, and whether you can argue you become homeless by choice or not, you know, because of other things, it's most definitely that staying homeless is by choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there there is that that fact that you just said is that environment and atmosphere matters so much, and it is one hundred percent on you. And this is just a straight truth for people here. One hundred percent is on you to control your environment, your atmosphere, the people that are around you. You know, mm-hmm. I think I heard Gary Vee say this one time that it might be the only the only exception is if you're living in a house and you're 16 years old and your parents are saying, these are my house, this is my house, my rules, you know, whatever. Fine. I'm not talking to them, you know, in this, because there's certain scenarios because by law you're required to do certain things at certain ages that that's the case. But as soon as you reach that point, you know, which is almost a disservice, you know, I've, I've seen this for years, man, when people turn 18, right. At least in American culture, it's that summer before or even a couple months prior to that when you're just edging out of high school. So where all of a sudden, in just overnight, you're an adult, you have all these freedoms, these you know laws and restrictions that are lifted off of you. And by the way, you're supposed to figure out what the hell you're going to do for the rest of your life all at the same time. You know, I feel so bad for them, you know, but you just start making choices in that moment, but you don't have to make them all. Just- yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you this, the other side of... Uh, of the conversation or, you know, the other side of the story uh, of, you know, the situation that you just mentioned, it's like, Hey, you know, in America, when you're 18, uh, you know, you get put out in this world, you know, somewhat like you, you, people just expect you to, you know, grow up and and take care of things. The other side of it is where I come from. Okay. Yeah. I come from uh, Pakistani parents. That's my background, but I come, I come and, and Arabs are the same, right? Pakistani Indians, Arabs, we all have a similar culture where the parents will nurture the kid till they're 30. The, the kid will remain a kid till they're 30. Really dude. Wow. <laughs> wow. There are people in Egypt. I've heard like there's, this is common in Egypt where the parents would take on so much debt to pay for the kid's wedding that they would end up not being able to pay the debt and go to jail. Like it's a very big thing in, in Arab and, and, and uh, South Asian cultures. I guess maybe it's, a Muslim thing, I don't know, right? But because no, it's, it's even people in Lebanon where the Christians are, it's a very similar thing where we where there's so much nurture, like to the point that you're a kid. Like till today, my parents like, you know, like what I love about American culture is that for the most part, you will allow your kids to get hurt. Like out, like our out, like most of the parents, you know, from where I come from, that that doesn't happen. They're too they take. My, my, my dad never took off the training wheels. He would take off one and then he put on the other side and then he would never take off the training. I had to teach myself how to ride a bike. I was like, screw this. I'm going to get my friend's bike and then, you know, figure out how to ride. Cause like they were too protective. Yeah. And, and again, they nurture you until you're 30, until you're married and, and have a, and, 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 you know, have a, and a, have a wife and kids, you know, they'll pay for you. They'll buy a house for you. Like, and so, so that's the other side of the story, which is too much nurturing as well, which I don't yeah. like because then, you know, like, you know, something Gary Vee says is like, get off your parents' peril, you know? Yeah. And a lot of the people where I come from, they're, they're on their parents' peril and they do what their parents say. That's crazy, man. I, I didn't, I didn't know that side of the culture for sure. And you just enlightened me today. Yeah. 
then I, I think of all the immigrants over to America too, because that culture comes with them, you know, and it's the land of opportunity, but of course, there's always the past that tries to hold on to you, you know, and this isn't even just in different cultures from different countries of the world and different societies, but it, that's a thing that a lot that's hard to do is letting go of the past and the circumstances that formed you today in order to go forward without all that baggage. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, man, you, I love this conversation, bro. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. You know how you, you take those stepping stones and you get mm -hmm. to higher heights and everything? And sometimes, dude, you just got to go for it. And, you know, it's like the exponential side of things because you can have incremental growth and you can have exponential growth. I'm a bigger fan of exponential growth, which is why I love your hat. You know? Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs>